What's good, everyone? Chris is starting show here. And before we get into today's episode, I just have a couple announcements I want to make. The first one is I have started my own YouTube channel where I'm here to help people save, grow, and protect their money. So make sure you subscribe to my channel. And also here on the Roommates platform, I am interviewing people around finances. So I have people coming with real estate about how to pay down debt, how to invest, all those different things. So I want you all to do to make sure you get your pen and your paper out and take notes because the information that is provided during these podcast episodes are so valuable. And with that being said, let's get started with today's episode. The best deal you've done is the deal you didn't do. Say that again. The best deal you can do is the deal you did not do. Worst thing you can do is do a deal because you need to do a deal and then lose 50 grand and go bankrupt, right? So like you got you got to stick to your numbers. And so when people get emotional, they have to do a deal. Their friends are asking them, you know, what are you doing? Like, you're an idiot. Why aren't you in college? Whatever it is, right? You're like, all right, like, I'm doing a deal, guys. What's up? And then you lose money. So emotion always screws up the numbers. What's good, everyone? It's your boy, Chris. Welcome back to the Roommates channel. And listen, I, I say this every week. I know. Get your pen and paper ready, but I'm telling you this week, you need to have your pen and paper ready because this guest that I'm excited to bring forward with you on the show is someone that's going to give nothing but life-changing gems, someone who is a server, he is an educator, he's a real estate investor, he is an entrepreneur, he is someone I also look up to. I am so glad to welcome to the roommates family, Austin Rutherford. What's going on, What's Austin? What's up, brother? I'm excited, man. I appreciate the opportunity today. I know who you are. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of yours, but those who do not know you, can you please give them a little bit about yourself and your background in real estate? Yeah, uh, you know, kind of long story short. So uh, I got into the game. I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. That, that was the goal back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who was your favorite player growing uh, up? So I kind of like play like Steve Nash. So that, that that's who I followed back in the day. <laughs> you you give me that Steve Nash vibe. I'm telling you, like I, I know you nice on the court. I could just tell. I, need, I need the shaggy hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, so that, that was the dream. And literally, I like dedicated my life to trying to go to the league, um, got to a point where I fell out of love with the game of basketball, and I was lost, you know, I didn't know what to do. Mm. Um, so I fell into a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, um, read it, it completely wow. changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I, that is the time I learned about passive residual income. So money that you can make without mm. working continuously, I was like, sounds pretty good. So I ended up buying a, a duplex on Ohio State University's campus when I was 20. Um, and then I uh, got my real estate license at 21, bought my second house at 22, third that, sold that second house at 20, uh, four days after my 22nd birthday, uh, made a hundred grand in profit and just reinvested all that wow. money. Um, and you know, that's, I'm 28 now, so about seven and a half years. Um, we flipped hundreds of houses, built new construction, condo conversions, uh, own almost a hundred rental properties, about a $15 million portfolio today. Um, it just kind of literally wow. just kind of grew it over the years. Um, and then my focus now is real estate, social media, and uh, cryptocurrencies. So that's where we are today. Oh, man. I, I love it. Like, in that midst of, you say, like, basketball was your first yep. love. You know, like, there's there's many of people here that have their first love, but unfortunately they cannot do yep. it. But some people allow themselves to stay in that, you know, mode of feeling bad for themselves you know the world is against me and they really don't find you know new energy to move forward yep. 
So in during those times, how did you pick yourself out of that to move forward? No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, whether it's uh, you want to be an athlete and that doesn't work out or you break up with like your four year relationship or you get laid off from a job. Like we all hit that wall at some point in life. But for me, it's like I always wanted more. Right. Like, I don't know if I wanted to go to the league because I love basketball or if I love like or I wanted mm. to get rich. You know what I mean? Like real estate was just another way for me to for me to get rich M- money. Money buys three things, right? Time, experiences, and more money. So, like, if you want time with your family, you want to travel the world, the experiences, or you can use that to make more money to then have better experiences and better time with your family. Like, that's what I always wanted. So, um, I think it's just like a desire for more, right? Like, I mean, I, I legit remember crying. Like, I was I was in the gym. It was midnight by myself on the floor, laying on the wow. on the uh, on the court. I was just crying. I was like, man, what do I do with my life? Like, this was everything to me. And uh, I wish I knew how that book ended up in my hand. Somebody gave it to me, but I don't remember who gave it to me. Uh, but that book mm. completely changed my life. So uh, if, if you're in a dark spot, like I think I think reading is an amazing way to snap out of that. And not in like good books, right? Like educating books, not like novel, right? Yeah. Um, and then affirmations and, uh, and manifestations. Actually, the biggest thing. So I was in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we we're living in a condo. Read that book. It talked about journaling. So every single day for 30 minutes, I journal. I literally keep a journal on me no matter where I'm at all day, every day, because I try to journal every day, even even right now. Uh, but I was journaling one day. I was sitting on the rooftop of a three-story balcony, and I looked out across the way, and there's like a nine-unit apartment building. And I was like, if if one guy owns that and nine people are paying him money, like he's got to be making money. And that that's literally how the real estate journey started. But I never would have done that if I didn't read the book and start journaling. And I never would have done that if I never actually started journaling in the first place. So uh, those are two things that helped me tremendously. Yeah. So when you found that information and you got back home and you like, you know what, I'm about to go get it. How did you, that process happen when you first got that duplex at age 20? <laughs> For sure, man. So uh, when I when I had that like epiphany on the rooftop, like I bought like every book, every online course I could buy. I probably spent, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars, whatever it was, and just had a whole bunch of stuff shipped to me in Arizona. I um, started reading. I was like, yep, real estate's it. So got online, started yeah. Googling like duplexes, like because you got two units instead of one. So you make more cash flow. So just started doing the research. Um, and basketball was no longer there. So I moved back home to Ohio, you know, where I grew up, my family was, knew the market, et cetera, um, and moved home, uh, got a ballet job. Uh, I was working like 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, I always promised my mother uh, I'd get my degree. So I was going to college, taking 15 credit hours. Um, but like I knew real estate was what I wanted. So, um, every day at valet, like when I wasn't running cars, I'll just be standing at the podium, like doing research on like houses. I built like a little, like Excel, uh, calculator, like, you know, ca- uh, income versus expenses every, uh, on each property every month. Um, so like every deal I would just put into the spreadsheet, like, does this work? Nope. Does this work? Nope. Does this work? Nope. Um, and finally ended up coming across a deal. Uh, luckily I, I was 20 years old. I had like 30, $35,000 saved to my name just from hustling as a kid, uh, flipping cars, flipping candy, selling Buckeye necklaces. Um, so I literally saved every penny that I have. And I think that's a big lesson for a lot of people here. Um, uh, don't, you know, blow money on dumb stuff. Like I remember spending seven grand, you know, popping bottles one night. Like this is after I was, already, oh, this is after I was in real estate. So like I had some money, but like yeah. it's a complete waste. Yeah. Right. Um, but had the money saved, used that as a down payment and, uh, bought, bought the first, uh, rental property. Then I was broke. I was like, well, it took me 20 years to, uh, to save enough for one house. <laughs> so if I want to buy more houses, I need to make money faster. Um, my realtor at the time made like eight grand on commission for representing me to buy that house. Uh, so I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm gonna get my real estate license. Uh, got my real estate license, sold two houses, hated it. 
Um, and then I was uh, driving into valet one morning and I heard on the radio, it's like, you know, if you want to learn how to flip houses, come to this free seminar. Went to the seminar, uh, hired a mentor, paid him $25,000, maxed out my credit cards, 18 months, no interest to hire him. Um, and then from that day of hiring a mentor to the day I made my first penny in real estate uh, was a 16 month process. So valeting cars, 50 to 60 hours a week, going to college, taking 15 credit hours. Those are two full-time jobs, by the way. And starting your real estate business on the side. Legit, I was working 18, 20 hour days for 16 months straight. And uh, finally popped my first deal, made $107,000 in net profit. And uh, the rest was history after that. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was. <laughs> so, so, so the first deal that you got was a a a uh, flipping of a house. Yeah, so I, I kind of say like I had like two starts, right? So the first one was that yeah. rental property. I put a down payment, and then the bank financed the rest. You know, that's pretty traditional. A lot of people, you know, kind of understand that concept. But then the the first like investment flip that I made. Um, so I hired the mentor. I started like marketing to find deals, you know, cold calling, driving for dollars, sending out direct mail, mm. um, trying to get people interested in selling their property to me at a discount. Um, so did that for months and months and months and months and months. Finally, somebody reached out to me, um, ended up putting the property in contract for $74,000 to purchase it. Um, and then after I did like my estimate estimations on uh, the renovation on the property, it was I came up with a $170,000 construction budget. So no real estate experience, no construction experience. Um, no business experience, $170,000 rehab to this day is one of the biggest rehabs I've ever done. Um, and like, you know, but like, I had the right people behind me. You know what I mean? I hired a mentor. They, they, I could ask them questions. They could guide me through the process. But the other problem was I need a quarter million dollars to fund the deal. Like that's not, that's not, mm. I, I didn't have a quarter mil. Like, I, yeah. You know what I mean? So I uh, started calling people. Uh, everyone's like, hey, you know, I don't really know. Like this is a big project. Uh, you're, you've never done this before. You're only 21 years old. <laughs> uh, and I uh, ended up meeting a lady a year prior to that at a real estate networking event. And uh, for whatever reason, like it clicked. I was like, let me call her. So I called her back a year later. Um, I was like, hey, like you know, she was she was trying to start real estate. I was trying to start real estate. I was like, hey, you know, how's real estate going? She was like, yeah, hey, you know, I'm still looking for my first deal. Um, oh, and at the time a year ago, she mentioned she had some money of hers that she was going to use to invest in her own deals. So then I called her. She's like, you know, still looking for a deal. I was like, yeah, you know, I just got my first deal. Like, would you be interested in lending on it? And uh, she said, yeah. So walked her through the property, um, you know, showed her the numbers and everything. Uh, she ended up funding that first deal. Um, so bought it, renovated it using other people's money, uh, flipped it, made 100 grand in profit. And that's literally how I built my business. Hundreds and hundreds of deals later, I've been able to raise 20, 25 million dollars of other people's money. Mm -hmm to fund all my real estate deals. Even today, I still don't use my own money to do deals. So that's kind of the, the golden ticket in real estate is OPM, other people's money. Oh yeah, I, I know that's the key. We go we go talk about that later <laughs> on, make sure they get the whole process because I, I, that's something I really want to talk to you about. Sure. Uh, but like before you even get to that point, finding the deal, yep. you, you, I know her, you said you, you did direct mail, driving for dollars, um, you know, cold calling. Yep. Can you explain, you know, each one of those processes in the brief sentence yeah. and then what you feel like is, is the best way that helped you the most in, you know, moving forward in your career? Yeah, no, great question. So uh, what I always say is like every single business, no matter what business it is, if you're in real estate, if you're in podcasting, if you're in warehousing, if you're Amazon, whatever business you're in, you're in the marketing business. The only way you make money is by having clients, by having deals, by having, uh, you know, uh, uh, product, whatever it is, like you are in the marketing business without marketing, you make zero dollars. So for me, like, if you want to be a real estate investor, you got to find a deal. 
how do you find a deal? Yeah. Marketing, right? Um, so that is the lifeline of the business. Uh, so literally every single penny that I made, uh, I was valeting cars at the time. So everything, I'm, I was still living with my parents. Every penny I made went back into marketing. So um, you can buy lists. Um, there's a gazillion different types of lists, but uh, high equity, non-equity, uh, uh, vacants, bankruptcies, probates, you can buy these lists and then market to sellers, right? So the reason of buying lists is because they may have potential motivation. So if you buy a vacants list, that means you're trying to buy a house that's vacant. So the seller may want to sell it because it's not producing income. Or if you buy a foreclosure list, they're in foreclosure, they can't afford it, so they might want to sell it to get out of foreclosure. Or you buy a uh, non-owner occupied, which means they own the property, but they don't live in it, right? Which means that it's probably a rental property. And as you know, rental properties can be a headache sometimes, so they may want to sell it, right? So you buy a list that has potential motivation, and then you market to those people. So for me at the time, it was a lot of direct mail and a lot of like single phone call, uh, cold calling. Nowadays, SMS, or, SMS is text messaging. RVM is ringless voicemail um, and cold calling. You basically, mm -hmm. most people hire virtual assistants um, that call, mm -hmm. you know, thousand people a day versus me calling 10 people a day. Um, mm -hmm. And that's how, that's today how people are kind of getting deals um, compared to how I was, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, but yeah, you're in the marketing business. You got to market to get deals. Uh, and then the, the biggest takeaway, when I started marketing, the reason it took me 16 months is like, because like I only had a $300 a month marketing budget, right? I didn't have much money. Yeah. Um, but consistency always wins, right? The the deal that I ended up getting, I sent them six pieces of direct mail over a six month. Period. Wow. On the sixth piece, they called me back. So consistency always wins, right? I think marketing is is being in the right place at the right time. Cause like they, I've bought deals where there's hundreds of letters on people's table. I'm like, why'd you call me? Like you have a hundred other people to call. And they're like, I got home, I had a bad day. And your, your letter was the one that was in the mailbox. I was like, cool. So marketing, Amen. Yeah, being in the right place at the right time. So the only way to do that is consistently be there. That's how you get that opportunity of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. I want to make a real quick question before we move on. I heard you said that you started uh, actually being a real estate agent. Yep. I hear this question all the time. People ask, like, should I be a real estate agent and investor or should I just be an investor and I do the agent? You know, if I do the real estate agent, then I can be the buyer and seller. I can keep that commission. Yeah, you, you know, you know the spiel. Sure. I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you do not need to be a real estate agent to be a real estate investor. Just to clarify that, because a lot of people are like, yo, like Austin, I'm getting my license. I'm excited to be an investor. I'm like, you know, you don't need to. Right. Um, so you definitely don't need it. Um, I personally don't see a huge benefit or a huge negative to having a real estate license and being a real estate investor. The biggest benefit that you can get um, is having access to the MLS, which nowadays, I mean, you can use PropStream or something and have the same access. Um, and the other one is like if you're flipping a house and selling it, then instead of paying that 3% commission, you can keep it. So that first deal, yeah. I sold it for 375 grand. So 3% on that's like, 11,000 ish dollars. So I was able to keep 11 more thousand dollars in my pocket rather than paying an agent. So I don't list my own houses today because like I, at scale, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, but those are the only small benefits. But yeah. I, to me, there, there's, if you want to be an investor, learn investing. If you want to be an agent, Amen. go get your license. Like there's no need to like, you know, put the two together.
Yo, what's good everybody? We're gonna take a quick pause from this week's amazing episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is a real A1 day one from the roommates and we absolutely love Skillshare because they are a unique online learning community where men and women can learn all types of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Man, so many men for the past years in the roommates have been learning, have been blossoming, have been transforming from Skillshare because not only do you get the first month free to test it out, but Skillshare has such a vast library of courses, of resources that you guys can be able to tap into today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and take advantage of this opportunity. Guys, on the podcast, we meet so many amazing men and women who are so talented, but they didn't get their skills overnight. They had to master these things and Skillshare gives you all the resources that you can be able to master your best self and tap into your full potential. So do not delay. Get on Skillshare today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Trust me, you'll thank us later. And let's get back to this week's episode. Beautiful. I'm glad I'm glad we got that point. <laughs> so like when you when you make contact with these people, um how is the conversation? Is it like, okay, I, I know depending on the house, obviously it's a foreclosure, not not owner occupied, things like that. But I'm always curious of just how the conversation goes from, you know, first contact to, you know, you got the, you got the contract and now you're, you're moving on to making some revenue. Yeah. So I'll just kind of run down like that, that very, very first deal. Right. Picked up the phone. Uh, they actually called me, answered the phone. Um, I was talking like, hey, you know, tell me about the property. Why do you want to sell? You know, tell me the condition of the property. Um, it's really just building rapport. Right. You know, it's just learning yeah. one another. Um, and then you get to the price. It's like, okay, cool. Like, well, what would you sell the property for? And then they give you a price. I think they said like 120 or something like that. Um, and then I negotiated them a little bit and I actually put in contract for $104,000, I think. Um, but the house was built in 1901. So long, 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 long time ago. Um, and the foundation, didn't, again, I didn't have much experience, but something just didn't look right on the foundation. Yeah. So I made the offer contingent on a foundation inspection which then we got inspected, cost 28 grand to fix it. We got a price reduction of $74,000. But I mean, as far as like how the phone call goes, like it's, it's really just building rapport. Like I, I remember okay. sitting across the table, you know, with a seller from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. and literally just like talking to her, like listen, letting her speak. And her, her and her son were sitting there. We got down to like the final, you know, phase, gave her the price. She looked at her son. She was like, yeah, this is $30,000 less than the other highest offer but I feel good with this. Her son was like, me too. And I got the deal for 30 grand less because I sat there for five, six hours and, and built rapport with her, right? So a lot of people like overcomplicate it. Like, is there strategy, you know, is there sales tactics? Yeah, for sure. But like the essence of it really comes down is like building rapport and solving a problem. Like if you can help somebody with whatever it is that they want, um, like that's what matters. Do they want to move to Florida? Do, do they want the headache of cleaning out the property? Do they want you to hire movers, right? You just got to find out like what their like key thing is and then solve that. And then usually you can figure out how to make a deal happen. Yeah, I think that's that's true. You know, I think that's like the biggest thing. You know, you can build rapport with people, that, that authenticity and really solve their problems. You stick out amongst other people. So when you go to these properties, like to, to walk around, what exactly are you looking for? What are you evaluating? You know, and also how are you coming up with these construction costs? Sure. You know, these repairs, where are those numbers coming from? For sure. So there's two ways to do this, right? One's 100% virtual, one's in person. And you can do it either way. So if you're in person, like you physically walk the property with the seller for the most times, 
Um, or if you do it 100% virtually, we get it in contract before we see the property and then get it inspected and then renegotiate the price if we have to. If they say like, we've had sellers like, oh, it's beautiful. There's literally mold in the entire house. Like obviously we, <laughs> we need to renegotiate the price, right? Um, but like the, the biggest things, if you're in areas with basements, basements 100% make or break deals. Uh, foundation issues wow. are huge, water issues are huge. And in basements, you have all the electrical, all the plumbing and all the HVAC. So like the basement, like literally makes or breaks the deal, right? Um, so I'm, I'm looking at the basement a lot because that, that's a game changer. Um, if, I'm, if I'm in an area without basements, the big ticket items are usually like roof, windows, furnace, AC, um, water heaters, um, and then plumbing and electrical. So like those are the biggest, yeah. how far the biggest ticket items. Um, the rest is like cosmetics. You know, cosmetics are, are relatively simple. Um, but as far as like, you know, knowing the budgets, uh, now it's from experience. Uh, at the beginning, uh, you know, I, I again, I hired a mentor. They gave us like a rough like budget sheet, again, an estimate, right? So I put my numbers together yeah. and then I actually hired two contractors to walk the property with me um, to then give me a, an estimate, right? So, you know, maybe, you know, if you, if you can get hand, your hands on like a spreadsheet from somebody, that's great. If you can potentially network with another investor in your market and get them to try and walk the property for you, um, that's great. If you can hire contractors and bring them in to, to you know, give an opinion on the uh, estimate, you know, that's great as well. But at the beginning, I would always get a second opinion. Um, but as you kind of get into the game, like you just, you know how much stuff, co how much stuff costs. Yeah, exactly. Like I think, like I, 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 I can't wait to get like your eyes and your vision on like, like kind of like knowledge when you look for properties, uh, because how do you know what's a good deal? You know, is it just like the square footage of the home? Is it the, you know, the amenities, uniqueness? You know, or do you have that interior design like forecast and vision? Like I can make this look like this, and I can sell it like that. How do you know if it's a good deal? Yeah, so I, I'm I'm terrible at design. Horrible. I, I, <laughs> ask my fiance. It's it's bad, right? It's all black, everything. <laughs> but uh, you know, as far as like people are always like, Well, what what do you look for? Three bed, two bath, twelve hundred square feet. I'm like, I don't I don't care what it is. Like I'll buy a one bedroom, one bath house or a ten bedroom, ten bath house, as long as there's comps, as long as there's numbers to support it, right? So yeah. for us, I've, we have a spreadsheet, internal spreadsheet for our business. We literally put in like four numbers and it spits it out. But like the overall essence of what those numbers are is the ARV, the after repaired value. So how much is a property worth once it's fully renovated, once it's up to you know mm -hmm. 2022 standards? And then how much is it going to cost to get it there, right? And then usually the mathematical formula to get there, and this is this is rough, right? There's other sometimes other rough expenses that come in, but usually you take the ARV, the after repaired value, Multiply that by 70 to 80. It used to be 70%. Now it's 80% because the market's, you know, gone up some. So some people are willing yeah. to pay a little bit more money. Uh, so maybe you 75% to start. So you take the ARV times 75% minus repairs. And then that equals your Mayo, your maximum allowable offer. So if the ARV okay. is 200 grand, you take that times 75%, which is two, which is 150. And then if it costs 50 grand to renovate it, that means your Mayo, your maximum allowable offer is 100 grand. So if the seller is like, hey, I want 190, you move on to the next deal. If the seller yeah. is like, hey, I want 70, you're like, perfect, this is a deal. If the seller says, yeah. hey, I want 115, you can negotiate that down to where you need to be, right? Uh, but those, those are kind of like rough numbers on how, how to estimate things. And I do want to make sure make things clear for the audience. So that that um, number that you calculated, that hundred thousand, mm -hmm. that is the number that you are not going higher than to purchase that property 
so you can, you know, repair and then flip it later for a profit. Yep. So the, the where people screw up is like they'll uh, so like you do that mayo right two hundred grand times seventy five percent one fifty minus fifty thousand dollars in renovation hundred thousand dollar offer. The problem where people screw up is is they'll offer a hundred grand, which is terrible because yeah. that's your maximum allowable offer. You should never lead with your max, right? You should offer like eighty five or something, and then try to negotiate to a hundred. But then the seller's like, all right, I want one ten, and you try to negotiate, and the seller's like, nope, one ten, that's it. And then people are like, all right, let's do it. And then the problem is, you know, that $50,000 rehab budget turns into $60,000 and the ARV of 200 turns into 190. And now you just lost money on a deal, right? So the reason you keep those margins is because things always come up in real estate, always. I bought a house for 25 grand, sold it for 325 grand and made $7,000 in profit. Like that, it, it, I was expected to make 130 grand in profit. I blew $123,000 of it because I screwed a lot of things up along the way. So the reason you want to keep the correct margins is because you're going to mess something up. Some some number is not going to be accurate. So instead of making you know 20 grand in profit, that what what ideally you want to happen is you you're, you're shooting to make 50 grand on a house. What ideally happens, worst case scenario, you make five instead of 50. Instead of you're trying to make 20 grand on a house and then you lose 20 grand instead of making 20 grand. You never want to lose money. You just want to make less than what you projected. And the only way to do that is if you have enough buffer in your numbers. Great. Yeah, I think that's that's amazing because that buffer and that margin will will help you out. And so like what what areas do you feel like most people mess up numbers? Like what what is it? Is it the repair cost? They just didn't see it or it was just like I thought it was hardwood floors and I uplift the carpet and it's just something crazy underneath. Like, like, is it just, what, what, what is it? It's three things. And it always goes back to emotion. So people are like, Hey, I'm doing, I'm trying to get into the game. You know, I've been looking for a house for six months and like, they just feel pressure to do a deal. The best deal you've done is the deal you didn't do. Say that again. The best deal you can do is the deal you did not do. Worst thing you can do is do a deal because you need to do a deal and then lose 50 grand and go bankrupt. Right. So yeah. like you got you got to stick to your numbers. And so when people get emotional, they have to do a deal. Their friends are asking them, you know, what are you doing? Like, you're an idiot. Why aren't you in college? Whatever it is. Right. You're like, all right, like I'm doing a deal, guys. What's up? And then you lose money. So emotion always screws up the numbers. But the three things is you overestimate the ARV, the after repaired value, meaning that you get emotionally tied to it. And you're like, nah, like market's going to keep going. Like I'm going to sell it for 220, not 200. You're buying it on today's numbers. What is it worth today? Not next month, not next year, but right now, today. So people overestimate the ARV. Second number is they underestimate the renovation cost. They're like, well, you know, I don't have to put new siding on the house. Like the siding's okay, okay. But then you don't do the new siding and you overestimate the ARV. The only way you can potentially get more money out of a house is because if you overdo the renovation. So if you underdo the renovation and try to get more money out of the house, like you're working, you're working in the wrong direction, right? Um, so yeah. underestimating uh, the repair cost, and then third is holding costs, which a lot of people don't understand what this is. Like most people think you buy it for a hundred, put fifty into it, sell it for two hundred, you make fifty grand in profit. You make yeah. like twenty-five to thirty grand in profit because you have what are called holding costs and closing costs. So every month that goes by, you lose money. So when you borrow wow. money to fund a deal. You have holding costs. You have to pay interest on that money every single month. You have taxes. You have insurance. You have utilities. You have HOA fees. So every month that goes by, you could potentially be losing thousands and thousands of dollars a month. So people think like, oh, I'm going to get this done in three months. But then they forgot it takes three months to get their cabinets delivered. So that three-month project just turned into six months 
and their holding costs went from 12 grand to 24 grand. And now, you know, your margin just gets pinched. Um, so those are the three numbers, overestimating the ARV, underestimating the repair cost, and underestimating how long you're going to be owning that property for. But like to put it into perspective, like I got it, where's my phone at? I got a deal right now. We borrowed uh, 400 grand on it to fund it. We're paying 12% interest. So 400 grand times 12% is $48,000. You divide that by 12 every month, we're paying out $4,000 a month in interest plus property taxes, plus insurance, plus utilities, plus condo fees. So it's probably like six grand a month in holding costs. So if we, if our, you know, four month project goes to eight months, so it's four extra months, that's what, $24,000 of unexpected costs. So if my profit margin was 24 grand, I just lost money on that deal. So the, uh, the, the, the numbers that you run and the comps that you use, that is supposed to really just kind of like provide a way to see how you can make money as well and also provides a way like hey this is this is the margin for error so like for that how do you like just mentally i guess calculate and and account for all the things that you have going on you got the margin for error you got the abr you got the you got the interest rates and you know like projected you know construction is supposed to be done in 90 days you know how are you not stressed out about all that stuff (laughs) So like it's, 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 it's running the numbers the right way, right? So I, I say a lot of times people try to control the uncontrollables and that's where people get stretched out. So I put my, my barriers in place and like whatever happens after that happens. I got another crib right now. We borrowed $800,000. It was supposed to be a seven month buy, renovate and sell. We're now on month 13. Mm. And if you do, and we're paying 16% interest on that. So if you divide that by 12, we're paying almost 15 grand a month in no. holding costs. So 15 times five is what, I, I don't, I'm not the best at math, 75 grand, whatever that number yes. is. Almost $100,000 of unexpected costs. And like, that's, that's crazy, right? But the profit margin was like half a million dollars. So yeah. like, you know, we just made less than what we projected. So the problem is, is like, if I ran, if I did that deal and I was expecting to make a hundred grand, I'd be stressed to the kilt right now. Cause yeah. like now I'm like fighting to lose money, to not lose money, right? So like, as long as you run the numbers the right way, you have the proper contingencies in place. Like, don't get me wrong. I've lost money on a house. It's only been two. I've lost money on two houses out of, I don't know, three, 400 or something. Three, like, 400. Yeah. <laughs> three. So you shoot 99% from the field. <laughs> that's what, like, that's what I'm saying. Like out of all that, like that's worst case scenario. So like when you run them, be realistic with your ARV, be realistic with your repair budget. Like, so if we come up, here's a, here's a key takeaway here. So if you run through your numbers and you think you're going to spend 40 grand on the rehab, add a 10 to 20% contingency. Yeah. So add four to $8,000 to that just for whatever. Just, yeah, you're going just, to for, just for your mental sanity. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I've, I've never done a deal where I haven't spent my contingency budget. Um, so again, have that in your budget. So it's not an unexpected cost. Like if you have $8,000 in contingency and you get a call, you got to replace the sewer line and cost $5,000. You're not like freaking out. You're like, all right, cool. Like I already planned for it. You know what I mean? So it, the reason I don't stress is like, I, I feel like I run things the right way number wise and I'm confident yeah. in those numbers and like whatever happens after that happens after that. You know what I mean? So even with um, how how was it when you were scaling, when you were doing multiple deals at the same time? How were you handling all of that? 
Yep. So, and I think that'll like tie into, you know, part of this future conversation, but so I don't use any of my own money, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of ways people get stressed is because they, they run out of money. The only thing that bankrupts people, the only thing is lack of cash flow. If you lack cash flow, that's how businesses go bankrupt. Businesses can never go bankrupt if they have cash flow. It does not, it's impossible for that to happen, right? So let me give you a couple examples. As you're scaling real estate, you start flipping houses, right? Let's say you're doing five houses. You use hard money instead of private money. What's the difference? Private money, you get 100% funded. So every penny of the deal, you can get funded. Hard money, you get 80 or 90% funded. So let's say those five houses are 200K a piece, 90% funded, that's almost $50,000 of money you'll have to have out just on those deals. So now your lack of money is from the jump $50,000 less. Private money, I don't pay monthly interest payments. It all accrues until the sale of the property. Mm. Hard money, you got to make monthly interest payments. So if you're paying 10% on 200 grand, well, I guess at time five, it's be a million dollars. That's a million a year. That's like $8,000 a month mm. Mm. Um, that you'd be paying in interest payments. So every month you're out another $8,000. You haven't sold a house, so you don't have any income, but you got to pay $8,000 a month in interest payments. So now you're like almost a hundred grand out of pocket, right? So like hard money is great to use if you understand, if you have enough bankroll to fund it, right? Private money, you literally get a hundred percent funded for these deals. And that's how I built my entire business. So like, as I scaled, I just borrowed more money. You know what I mean? And, And that can, that can backfire very quickly. So like, if you get into this, like, oh, yeah, you know, I just I need more money. Let me borrow another hundred grand. Like yeah. it, it has to be tied to the deal. I've never borrowed money on a handshake. I've only borrowed money collateralized by an asset, a piece of real estate that I knew I could sell for more than what was on that uh, on that deal. It's like if I'm like the, the multimillion dollar deal. Right. Um, like I bought one for I was all in for like six, sold it for a mil. Like, OK. I only I'm 60 cents on the dollar. Like you yeah. can't lose money in that situation. Uh, so it, to me, it's like as you scale, it's how do you focus on cash flow or, or not not you know losing money every single month? Um, and if you structure the deal the right way through private money lenders, um, you you don't have any expenses. You literally flow everything using other people's money. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key to to you know I guess the 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 increase of scale of scalability is using no, you know, those private money. So how did you find that? How, how did that come about? You know, was that just experience? Did that just kind of like you had skin in the game and you know, you got the contacts and you know, here we are. Yeah. So, so when I learned the game of real estate, so I, I, I fell in love with the idea of rental properties, but then when I hired my mentor, he taught me to flip houses with other people's money. So like, that's what, just what I got taught, you know, from day one. Um, so like, I'm always looking for private money lenders. I got a deal yesterday. It's 10 units. Um, I need to raise like 700 grand. I made two calls yesterday that he said he let me know this afternoon, but like, I'm all, and this will be a, somebody's first time lending me money um, mm. on that deal specifically. I called some of my other lenders. They didn't have enough. So I'm, I'm calling new people because I've been building relationships. I'm always looking for money always. Right. There's a saying that says, dig your well before you're thirsty. Mm. So like, I'm talking to every, everybody about money, everybody. Uh, because like, you know, you, let's say you get access to a million dollars, then you get a $1.5 million deal and now you're screwed again. Like you always want to be digging, digging the well, right? Um, so private money can go uh, so many ways, but I'll just kind of give you the, the the beginning parts of it. The biggest question I get is like, okay, well, that sounds great, Austin. Where do I find them? <laughs> and uh, like, and this is kind of a ger- generic answer, but the answer is everywhere. Mm. So banks and hard money lenders are institutions that lend money. 
They have businesses, they have marketing departments, they have underwriting departments, like they're in business to lend you money. That's it. So they, they, they have full underwriting guidelines and everything. So I don't use that. You can. I've used it like twice in my career. Uh, but again, you need to have money for that. You need to pay monthly interest payments for that, et cetera, et cetera. Private money lenders, it li literally, it's like me calling you, Chris. Like, yo, Chris, I got a deal. You got 200 grand? Yeah, I got 200 grand. Cool. You lend it to me at 10%. Bet. You lend it to me because you want to make $20,000 in interest. I want the money so I can go do a deal without using my own money. So like legit, it's anybody that is willing to lend you money. Yeah. So where do you meet those people? You meet those people around money. So go to country clubs, go to golf courses, go to car shows, go to real estate networking events, go to places where people have money and then have conversations with those people. And you can't just like, if I called you the first time, Chris, like <laughs> when, we, when we first connected a couple of days ago and I was like, yo, Chris, like, give me money. You'd be like, uh, no, like, who are you? Right. But the way that you have those conversations is you need to create interest in what you have to offer. So when I'm talking to people, I'm like, yo, what do you do? Like beautiful car, nice watch. Hey, you, you're, I see you on the golf course every day. Like, how are you able to be out here? Create a conversation. And they're going to be like, well, you know, I'm a doctor. I do this. I do that. Whatever it is. And then in return, they're going to ask you, what do you do? Yeah. And you, you, you got to be interesting. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm in real estate or, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a bartender or, oh, yeah, you know, I work in corporate. You got to spark something. So when people ask me if I'm trying to raise money, my answer is like, yeah, I'm a real estate developer and I actually teach other people how to earn double digit returns on their money. Well, what what do you mean? How, how do you how do you how do you teach people that now? Boom. You got them interested. That, that's the lead into it every time. So. Everybody I talk to, I'm trying to raise money from everybody. I love it. I love it. Like, okay, so I had I had a question that popped in my head as you were talking. You know, when yep. when people are trying to get their first deal, you know, I feel like they they are doing a lot of reading, they're doing a lot of planning, they're doing a lot, they're having a lot of conversations, you know, and I feel like they're trying to find, you know, find all the pieces to the puzzle before they even get started. So they feel like they need contractors. They need, you know, appraisers. Yep. They need, you know, repair people. They need an agent. They need all these. They need to find a deal. They need to do all these steps first before they even get started. Are you yep. one of the ones where it's like, yeah, you need to have a plan and have contacts and have that stuff figured out before you get started? Or are you more like just throw, like get in the game, solve one problem at a time, and as you solve, you, you'll learn, you'll gain the experience, and then eventually you'll get there? 100% jump off the bridge and figure it out on the way down. <laughs> like, I, I, remember, I remember when I was just getting started, like I was making offers, like uh, I was offering on a few houses every week wow. when I was trying to get my first deal. And my mom came to me, still living with her at the time. She was like, uh, Austin, like, I was like, yeah, just wrote another one, just made another one, just made another one. And she was like, uh, what if they all get accepted? Like, you don't, you don't have the money. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I'll figure that yeah, out. Later. When time comes. <laughs> So like I, most people, like you said, want like A to Z. Yeah. They want everything figured out, right? What I say is learn A, B, C, and D, mm -hmm. and then go do that. And then once you do that, so like in real estate, right? A, B, C, and D is marketing. Learn marketing and go market. Then the phone starts ringing. You're like, oh shit, I got to learn how to talk on the phone. Then learn E, F, and G. And then talk on the phone and then get to a point where you can make an offer. You're like, oh, crap, I got to learn how to make offers and then learn H, I, J and K yeah. and just kind of do that as, as it progresses. Otherwise, like you'll never do anything. I, I learn on deals every single day, yeah. every day. I'm trying to refinance a five million dollar deal right now. And I just a lender is like, hey, you can't do it because X, Y and Z. I was like, man, that's my first time ever hearing about that. So like I still learn every day today. So like you will never know everything ever. 
but you just got to implement. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of people that holds a, and that's not just real estate investing. That's just life in general. I think you got to just, you know, nice. put yourself out nice. there. Like, like you said, when, when we started the podcast in 2017, you know, it wasn't podcasting was like known, but it wasn't really started by like everyday people, you know? So it was just yeah. kind of like the new mixtape rapper. And that's where everybody was looking at me as like, you starting a podcast? Like, what is that? Ain't nobody listen to that. You know, and then here we are. But no, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> how, I, 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 I would ask, how does your mom feel now? Like, like you stayed at home, you know, you was grinding. I'm sure she was like, what is this, like, what is this guy up to? How does she feel now? Nah, so that, they've been supportive from day one, 100%. That's what's up. So I got mad love from my parents. Um, but, like, I grew up, you know, in the traditional house, like, you know, go to high school, get A's and B. If I got a C, I got in trouble, like get A's and B's, graduate, go to college, get a degree and go, go start working. Right. That's how I grew up. And so like, that's what I did. Like I was, I was going to college, I was working valet 50, 60 hours a week, going to college, taking 15 credit hours and starting my real estate business on the side. This will blow your mind. That first check I got for $107,000 in profit Ooh. four days after my 22nd birthday, I went back to valet and cars 50 to 60 hours a week. And I continued going to college, taking 15 credit hours. Because I knew a hundred grand wasn't going to change my mm. life. A hundred grand was just a fucking tipping point. Like we just get, I got goosebumps talking about like, we just getting started. Yeah. You feel me? Like that was not the goal. Like goals, goals way past that. I still ain't got yeah, it. Yeah. Right. But like I went, I went right back to it. I flipped my second house, made $40,000 in profit about 90 days later. Mm. So then I had 150 grand in profit and proof of concept. That's the point out. What went into my valet? I was like, yo, I'm done. I quit. I went to my mom. I was like, hey, ma, like, you ain't never going to see me walk across that stage. And she, she, say, she's had mad love. Her and my dad, mad love, mad support from day one. Yeah. So when I told and I was living with him still. So when I told him that, like, they already they already saw the journey. They saw the success. They're like, shit, I wouldn't expect anything different. So they 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 support me like crazy. Um, and, you know, I just I hope I can do the same to them. Like, you know, when I travel, I try and fly him with yeah. me. Uh, move down to Florida. The goes to buy him a crib down here in a, in a couple wow. of years when they want to move down here. That that's the vision, right? I mean, I, I, I'm praying for you. I, I want that vision to come true for you, man. You deserve it, man. So, like, looking back on all the stuff that you uh, you have done, you have accomplished in your experience, you know, if someone getting started today, if they like, will, should they get started in just flipping houses? Should they try to get started in? Uh, rental property because everybody wants to make money now, want to make money fast, but not a lot of people want to build yep. wealth. So I got, I'm trying. So there's kind of two answers okay. to this, right? So I got in the game wanting passive residual income. I bought that first rental property, right? Then I flipped my first house, second house, made 150 grand, and got caught chasing money, mm. right? That's, that's the society that we live in. It's like we want we want immediate uh, gratification, right? We don't want to delay things for the future. I want it, I want stuff now. I want the houses now. I want the cars now. I want all that stuff right now. And then I woke up five years later, and I was doing the same exact thing I was doing five years before that, chasing money. Mm. Every single month, I had to go out there and get more deals. Like we're we're doing multi six figure months every month. But every month I had to go get it, go get the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. And I was like, man, like, I'm, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this for the next 50 years of my life. And I had that light bulb switch. It was like I was chasing money. I was getting rich. I wasn't creating wealth. Mm. Right. So that, that day is the day our first exit strategy. So meaning when we get a deal come in, our first look at it was to flip it. And how much money can we make that day? It turned from flipping to renting. So now our first exit is does this work as a rental property cash flow wise? Like you obviously want to want it to positively cash flow. If it negatively cash flows, like you don't you don't rent it because you're gonna lose money. 
But if it works as a rental, we're 100% keeping it as a rental. If it doesn't work as a rental, then we'll go on to flip it and make some money today, right? So our model went from 80 to 90% flips to 80 to 90% rentals, right? Um, and that was the day, like, you know, I realized, like, you know, chasing money, looking cool on social media. I, on social media, I saw everybody building these huge, you know, flipping and wholesaling businesses. I was like, that's what I want. And I built it and I hated my life, hated it. And literally, like a year ago, like, I was like, nope, I'm done. That's when I moved to Florida. I was like, this is not what I want. So uh, changed the business model, went down the rental route to start building wealth instead of getting rich. But the problem is, is like when you flip a house, you can make 40 grand mm, today, yeah. which is great. Right. Do that a couple times a month. You're like, good. You living, you know? <laughs> yeah, <you're> good. <laughs> the problem is you got to do it next month, next month, yes. next month. So it's hard to give up 40 grand today to keep a rental property that I'm only going to make a hundred or two hundred dollars a month on. So like th think like who in their right mind would do it? Who would give up 40 grand today to make a hundred dollars a month? Yeah. Like that's stupid. Right. But again, you got to have the long term vision in mind because in on rental properties, you get paid four ways. You get paid on cash flow, which is usually the only one people know about appreciation, depreciation and tenant mortgage buy down. So I got a duplex I bought three years ago, uh, three and a half years ago for one hundred sixty five grand. I sold it for three hundred sixty five grand three and a half years later. So I made two hundred grand just by owning a piece of real estate. And I made a thousand dollars a month in cash flow on top of that. So made like 250 just by owning an asset, right? Like think how much you got to work to make $250,000, right? So yeah, I went from I went from chasing money uh, to building wealth. But to answer the second part of that question is like when people come in, what do, what, what do they need, right? How do they get started? So people come in in two different ways into real estate. One, they're broke, they don't have it, and they want to get rich. The other is like they're in corporate, you know, they have some sort of income and they want to build wealth, right? Those are the two spectrums that people come in. So if you come in, you don't have you know credit, you don't have income, you don't have anything that's producing currently for or, or highly producing currently for you. Um, you got you got to wholesale houses or you got to flip houses using other people's money. You got to stack money today. You got to become bankable. You got to show a tax return with income on it, and that's what you got to do. And then after that, then you can start building wealth through rental properties. Or if you already have a W-2, if you already have a business, if you're already making money, six figures, whatever it is, if you have income and you want to start building wealth, you can immediately immediately come in and start buying rental properties. So people kind of come from two different um, points of life. Um, and what, depending on where you come from is kind of what I would always recommend uh, people to start doing first. No, that's a beautiful answer. Like with, okay, with, with the money that you were making at that young age, which is just beautiful and incredible, you know, I'm happy for you. How did you stay grounded? How do you not become money hungry? How do you become free? How do you change your character? Because a lot of people, you know, listen, I'm not famous. All right. I might be known to some places, but I'm not famous. But I have seen people, you know, when they get the likes on them, you know, change their character. They get some money, you know, change their whole ways. How did that did not happen to you? I think a lot of it goes to like upbringing, right? You know, I, I was always taught like soccer. I remember starting soccer one time and practice in soccer was you show up to practice, you run 10 miles and then you go home. Like you didn't even touch the soccer ball. So I started doing that and I got home and I, I went to my parents. I was like, I'm that's this. Like, I'm not doing this. Like, I, I hate running. I'm like, I'm done. They're like, eh, you started. You got four more months. You got to finish. I was like, all right, well, I guess that's that. And like so many times during my life, like I tried to quit. And like, no, no matter what it was, when I start something, I finish it. Like when my fiance and I are, you know, uh, flip on Netflix, turn, turn on a horrible movie. Like, you know, you're in two minutes and it's just a terrible movie. I have to finish oh, the movie. Man. 
have to. You better than me. I'm, I'm turning that thing off. <laughs> if I see bad acting, I can't do it, man. I'm like, no. Facts. But like, I, it's, to me, it's like, I have to finish, mm. right? So I think that's one. Um, and then two, it's like, like I still feel like I haven't done anything. Like I, I wake up every day like I'm broke. And I got more money in the bank than I've ever had. I own more real estate than I've ever had. And like every day, legit, right hand to the man, like I wake up like I'm broke every single day. And uh, it's like, it's like, how, how do we keep getting it? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think it's humble. I think you just got to stay grounded. And if you stay, you know, with a bigger vision in mind, um, you still feel like you haven't done anything yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I, I agree with that. I, I wanted to ask that because um, I feel like we have a lot of similarities. And one of the things it was real when I was younger was just like afraid to be like too successful that like... I change character, like I, I become somebody I'm not, you know, and it's and I yep. I don't want that to happen because you know like I, I I know my family, I know my past, I know my upgrade, I know my friends, I know all the people that helped me get here. So they ain't no once you get to the top, yep. it, it's not you know you, you just stay up here, you by yourself up here on the mountain, you know. Now uh, you need to help and teach people and bring everybody up, and that's what I love about you because you are helping, serving, educating people. So. For those, um, you know, who, who are listening and love everything that you're saying, um, is there any way that they can get in contact with you, help you, like for them to ask you questions or whatever like that? Yeah. So Instagram is my most active platform. Um, I respond to every DM that comes through on Instagram. People don't believe <laughs> me, but it's real. Uh, so at, at Austin Rutherford official on Instagram, um, at Austin Rutherford on TikTok. Um, and I got a YouTube channel as well at Austin Rutherford, but uh, Instagram is where, where I engage um, the most with other people. Back, back to the point, I want to see, like, you know, you said when you grow up and you make money, like you don't want to change, right? I had the same feeling. Have you, when I started making money, I felt so guilty. Like I felt like I, like, I don't know if it was undeserving or like the first car that I, it was a $30,000 car. Like it wasn't even like a crazy, crazy, crazy yeah. car. And like literally driving, driving to the dealership, like I had to call one of my mentors. I was like about to turn around. I was like, bro, like, I feel like I don't deserve this. Did, did you go through that? I'm I curious. did, man. I did. It, it's, it's much more of like you, you feel like, especially when you're young. Like I think when we, when we pop off and we were, I mean, 20, I was 25, 24, 25 at the time uh, when we started picking the momentum and uh, we put, we did put some work in, but it was still like, like, man, like, is this, is this, you know, I did have that same feeling because it's, it's just like, especially if you're successful and you have people surrounding you and they still kind of figuring things out and, and everybody has that point, you can have figuring things out at 30 and you were successful at 22, you know, it doesn't, you know, it happens, right. but I did start feeling a little, right. you know, a little good, especially with even the story that we had because we had people that was on a podcast with us when we started. So it was just like, even like, gotcha. even that, and so I'm still friends with those guys today, where it's like, you know, they see the success yeah. of the show and, you know, they was a part of the show and nobody really knows that. So it's like, even then, it's like, man, yeah. like, you know, I, I, like, I want, like, I know I need a new car, but it's like, man, like, I, I don't want to feel guilty of, you know, flashing in front, like, like, hey, like, let's, you know, so I had that experience too. And I think it was just, more of it, I had to have a conversation with not only with God but with my friends too. Um, just really just having that peace because I think that was the main thing is just having peace and understanding that like I did work, you know, I did uh earn this, I did um have you know just like fruitful impact on people, 
And uh, so there's nothing wrong with, you know, making money. If it if it's a lot of it, you know, long as you don't, it's, it's okay to make money as long as you don't fall in love with money and you put money over God, you put money over family, you put money over friends and you are, you know, uh, really hurting people just to make money. And I, and I, was, I looked at myself in the mirror. I said, there's no way I can have, it. I probably can't even sleep at night if that happens, you know? Uh, so I'm right. like, I'm, I'm trusting right. myself where it's like, nah, like I know, I know my character. I know my God and I'm, I'm going to be, uh, uh, all right. So I don't have that, that worry anymore, but I do feel like it's like, it's like, level one worry and then it's like like okay you making major money like okay that's another level where it's like okay i gotta worry about this level too especially if everybody see that you're in a different tax bracket because you get a rolls royce not throwing nothing out there i'm saying you get a rolls royce people are like okay you know that changes your life you can't park at walmart regularly no more you got it it's just valet for sure for sure no 100 percent. but i think you hit the nail on the head like it's, it's being being at peace yeah. with yourself right like make, making sure that you whatever like you're blowing money on is like for you and not for yeah. other people. So every every time I like buy something expensive, whether it's a watch, a car, a house, like I have a journal with all my big uh, purchases, and it's like I, I journal about my thought wow. process. Like why am I doing it? How do I feel about money? Am I doing this for me or am I doing this for somebody else? Um, as long as you're at peace with yourself with that, like I, I now. I believe everybody's got the God-given ability to go out there and make as much money as humanly possible. Because I say money brings out the real yeah. you. Like if you're a, if you're a you know a hole, you're gonna be a bigger one. If you're a great person, you're gonna be a bigger great yeah. person. So run, go out here, run it up, and then use you do it for the right reasons though, right? If you lead with like love and genuine, genuine, um, like but you can't go wrong with that stuff. So yeah, yeah I, no, curious, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that, that, man. I think <laughs> I, I take that word for sure. I know you have coached and talked to a lot of people that want to get started in, in real estate investing. So I want you to see how many, how many you can name off why, what stopped people from actually even starting or what stopped people from like in the process, like just not keeping like not keep going. Yeah. So f fear of failure kills more dreams than anything else mm. ever will. So like you, you don't even start and you already failed. Right. So that Ed Milet has really said that I, I wish I knew the clip, but he said it one time. He was like, when you go into something, you're already negotiating how far you're willing to go for it. Like you are mm -hmm. lost because at some point it's going to get too hard for you. And you're going to be like, yep, this is the breaking point. I'm out. A hundred percent guaranteed if you're negotiating it right now. So promise you, literally there's a message in my phone waiting. We had a student come into our program and all the excuses in the world last week, were we funding her money today? We're like, yo, this ain't it. This ain't for you. Like you, you wow. cannot already be negotiating. Like it, we're full refund. Like I'm not even keeping no money, but like you cannot be negotiating what you're willing to do if you really want to be successful. Like I want to help people that want to help themselves. Like I love seeing other people win, but if you're not gonna help you, like I'm wasting my time. You and you wasting your time. Uh, so fear of failure kills more dreams than anything else ever will. And then I always keep this vision. Um, it's like it's it's the meme, right? It's people digging yeah. two tunnels. And like one person like hacking away and then the other and they're like one swing away from yeah. hitting the diamonds or they're far away. But then there's a guy like walking back, like giving up and they're one swing away from hitting the diamonds. And it's like, again, if you're negotiating what you're willing to do or how long or how far you're willing to go, like you're going to lose. Right. So real estate works. It's not a matter of if it works. Like, look, there's thousands of people out there that have had massive success from it. It's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of when, right? So people see me, you know, rolling around in the Rolls Royce, living large, whatever you want to call it. Like they forgot it took me 16 months to make my first mm. penny in real estate. 
work valeting 50, 60 hours a week, going to college, taking 15 credit hours, and trying to start my real estate business on the side for 16 yeah. months. If I gave up on my five, 10, 15, 15 and a half, 15 and three quarters, like we never would have got there, right? So, I, I mean, there's always, everybody's got all types of excuses, but like, that's the biggest thing. Like you cannot negotiate how far you're willing to go. The, the only negotiation is like, I'm gonna stop when I get there. That's it. And if you go in with that mindset, like you gonna figure it out. Agree, agree. Like said, we, we started our podcast 2017. It didn't pop to like 2020, 2021, you know? So like, I, I, I it, it was just constant grind. And, and I think that's the, really the key. When if you, if you know you have an end in mind, then you already, you, you messed up from the jump. Um, you have to like relentlessly right. do it, you know, no matter what, because you, you, if you have that mindset, you will figure things out. You will be creative. You will problem solve and you, you will hustle. You know, and I think that's the uh, that's the key. People need to have that right mental mindset first before anything. If they have that fear of failure, if they have that where it gets too hard and ain't gonna make it work, then you're not gonna get to where you want to be at at all. It's like it's like the, yeah. the chart, right? It goes like this: a month, a year, two months, three years, whatever it is, and it just fuck, takes off after that. But it's like, do you quit during that that slow time? That's the only question there is. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly. So, like with the uh, with with, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about other people's money. <laughs> it's like um, mm-hmm. I I because I, I, I know there's people are listening that's in small towns, you know, and don't know a lot of people, you know, probably doesn't go to college, maybe maybe just have a high school degree i know they're coming up with all kinds of excuses not to uh not to like make it work um so for that person you know how do those people really just get in contact really get the things going and running and and helping find other people's money um so they can fund some of these deals that that they cannot with their personal money yeah so uh, you can make all the excuses (laughs) in the world right i was 21 no degree, no real estate, no business, no construction experience, and was able to raise a quarter million dollars, <laughs> right? So actually, this is like perfect timing. So I actually emailed that first ever private money lender and uh, and asked her why she oh, wow. made me money. Uh, let me, I'm Please pull it up. up I, I would love to. Right? I would love it. So her her uh, label was why her uh, subject line was why I trusted a kid with some of my retirement wow. funds. Uh, and her response was, to sum it up, I chose to work with Austin because he could check all the boxes. I knew of Austin through attending an investment training in that year and knew he had the knowledge to carry out the program. We were both in the same, we both uh, invested money into the mentorship program. So educated myself, right? Education is always the first step of anything. Uh, he was confident and industrious. He had a rental property as a teenager, brought an excellent investment opportunity. So that's another thing. Like people think like, where's the money at? If you have a great deal, yeah, the money's there, 100%. Like if your deal is amazing, bring me the deal. I'll fund it. Cause like if I can make a hundred grand and you can make a hundred grand, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm in, right? If you have a great deal, it always works. But people bring terrible deals and then fi- try and you know figure out why they can't get it funded. Um, so great investment opportunity. Uh, had in place detailed systems, documentation, mm. great communication. It was open to accommodate reasonable requests that were necessary for me to, to for me to feel comfortable with the deal. Uh, the initial impression was reinforced by his openness to on-site visits to see the progress. So I let her come and look at the house at any time. Uh, he was on-site, literally up in the rafters, paying attention. So I was crawling in the crawl spaces. I was crawling mm. through the rafters. I was in there, you know, <laughs> going through the mud. Like I wanted to know everything, right? So I was in the game. Uh, get as much knowledge as he could. This is why I continue to invest with him even today and why I've even referred him to some of my closest friends. 
So like lit, all that all that really says is the same yeah. thing we just talked about. It's like how far are you willing to go? I'm willing to go yeah. as much as it takes. Like there is no stop. You want me to you know sweep <laughs> up poop? Like I'm game. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to make it happen. Uh, so yeah, that, that was cool. She actually just emailed oh, me. Oh man, that's so that's ago. so cool. Man. I'm glad I'm glad she shared that. Um, with the uh, with with someone that wants you know really not to do it by themselves. You know they want culture, they want mentoring, they want a team. You know, in what ways? Because we know that we can, like, we can sign up for coaching aspect, but how can they create kind of like a team or community where they are locally, where they can have people to talk about these things to really kind of go back and forth with? How can they do something like that? Yeah, so real estate networking events is the best place to be. Um, so now that we're like kind of out of the you know the yeah. <laughs> virus era, um, people like can actually meet in person again. Uh, but like going to those meetups, like you'll meet title companies. You'll meet wholesalers, you'll meet contractors, you'll meet private money lenders, you'll meet hard money lenders. Um, like I, I literally legit went to there's usually like if you search deep enough, there's usually one like every night. If you're in like a decent sized uh, city, there's some sort of meetup every single night. Right. Um, so legit, I went to every single one I could. Um, so highly, highly, highly recommend starting there. Um, it's going there with an open book, like, yo guys, like I need help. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Talk, tell me about this. Yeah. Listen, right. Ask the right questions and listen, and you'll get really, really far. And, and the best way to get mentorship, uh, two ways, right. One is pay for it. That's the fastest, mm -hmm. simplest, easiest way. The second way is bring an amazing yeah. opportunity. Like if somebody came to me, like, yo, I got this great deal. Like, I want to give it to you, you know, pay me a little bit, but like, I just want to be there and learn like, all right, bet. Like, let's make some money together. I'll yeah. teach you the whole game. Right. Cause you're bringing, bringing value to somebody. Um, so those are two ways. Yeah. I think, started. I think that's really is. Yeah. Do, but I think they should do both at the same time. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, even, Agreed. even for me, it started starting my journey. It's kind of like, I'm, I, if I can get the deals, I have the right people in context. I can literally just like, all right, I got this help a brother out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so like, I think that's the, that's the best thing that, you know, people can do if they want to find a mentor and learn quickly, find a deal. And I promise you people will take the time to do it and teach you the game. Um, because you know, you giving them value and it's not just about money. It's much more of like, I would teach you the game, but it's also like, you know, there's, there's a reason for me being here too. And I think that's a good, you know, that's a good balance. And I think that's something where it's like, I would easily find a deal, you know, take 5,000 out of whatever, you know, 20,000 just to learn. Because if you can, if you can teach me how to fish, I'll go fish, you know, on my own. You know what I mean? Rather than just like being handed stuff, right. you know? So I think people need to really understand that. And, and, you know, maybe the first few deals, they don't need to take the full commission or the full, you know, net profit because they still need to learn. And, you know, yep. and I think that's the biggest thing about mentors and even creating a community. It's like, you get to learn from each other and you don't have to make the same mistakes they made. So you literally just have a kind of like, not mistake list, but you have, you know, so much experience and so many answers around you that you, that anxiety and that fear should be really low. Like, you know, and I say really, really low, but you know what I mean? It should lower. No, hundred percent, bro. I mean, everything in real estate starts with the deal, everything. So, I mean, you, you hit it perfectly. Like my, my sales team always came to me. They're like, yo, like how should I evaluate this? Like, how do I know what the exit strategy is? I was like, just get the deal. And we'll figure out how to make money on it. Like it all starts with the deal. So th that the easiest way for anybody to get in is learn how to find 
amazing deals, which is marketing and sales. Become a great marketer and a great salesman or saleswoman and find deals and you can write you can you can literally write your own paycheck for the rest of your facts, life. Facts, facts, facts. Facts, man. I, I, I have learned so much um uh, from from speaking with you, man. I I I love your story. I love everything about you, you know, and and uh, I always give, you know, people like you your flowers while while you're here. You know, and I think that, you know, coming from a fellow content creator, you know, a fellow hustler, like, like, it's it's beautiful to see, you know, where people can be and how they can change their life and how they can impact, you know, on your own life, but other people's life. Um, it's beautiful to see it's in the cross for me. And you know that, you know, it's it's real, it's happening, you can do it. And, and that's why, you know, uh, I wanted to start this financial journey because, uh, I know a lot of men listen to our channel really between like 18 and like 35. And, you know, one of the biggest problems yep. with those groups is just, you know, just money and not only just making money, but, you know, financial literacy and learning how to keep it and things like that. Uh, so I wanted to really start this project because if I can really help or at least put awareness out there, like, you know, if men can get their, you know, the money that they want, the freedom that they want, I feel like they can be better fathers and they can be better husbands because they have time to do that. And and I realized like, man, if I can help my men, either in my family and my friends or whatever, you know, that's how I can help and, and, you know, create a better society and create a better community in this world because it all starts, you know, in my opinion, with the men as leaders. And I know they can be at home more with their families um, with their wives and really just being impacted like that. And, you know, obviously other stuff, emotional, mental, physical health, things like that. You know, I, I, I just, I just, you know, that's why I wanted to start this. And that's why I asked you because I knew you were perfect. And I appreciate you sharing your story, man. You know, it blessed me. I know it blessed everybody that's watching as well. No, hundred percent, brother. You know, I, I've seen the community you've been able to build, um, you know, dove into all your content once, once we connected. And uh, I mean, you're doing some powerful stuff out there, brother. So, uh, keep keep doing your thing, and I couldn't agree more with you. I think ninety. If you really trace back the cause of any fight, argument, disagreement, whatever it is, it's really yes. due to lack of money, right? And I'm not saying yes. like fall in love with money, but money money solves problems. If you have a problem and you have money that can solve it, you no <laughs> longer have a problem. So like go out there and get get rich, and like all that stress, ninety nine percent of that stuff goes out the door. But unfortunately, people weren't taught that. So that's why yeah, exactly, trying, trying exactly, man. So, uh, what can people uh, uh, find? I know we said your Insta Instagram again, but if people want to to learn from you, want to purchase some of your products, what's some things that you have to offer for for my people? Yeah, yeah. So, I actually, just wrote a book. Uh, came out a month ago. Um, it's called Get Free Houses. Um, it really breaks down everything that we just talked about. So it's like how to how to find great deals, how to raise money to fund it, and how to start building general generational wealth through rental properties, all wow. using none of your own money. So. Uh, you can do that. You can go to howtogetfreehouses.com. Um, you can grab a copy of that. And then, uh, you know, we do have some coaching programs and stuff as well in the real estate space. Uh, so if it's something you're interested in, um, just shoot me a DM on a, on Instagram at Austin Rutherford Official. Um, would love man, to I appreciate you, that. man. I'm definitely getting the book. I'm definitely reading it because uh, I, I know it's solid information in there. Very good information, even on your YouTube channel. You know, it's, it was really good. Um, watching and I love how you really you make it like a lifestyle you make it so it seem so authentic and uh, I think that's a that's really great and unique about you so I recommend everyone to get the book especially because I, I know it's very very great solid information in there and I know it can be life-changing for you so Austin man I, I appreciate you roommates family make sure 
you all reach out to Austin. Tell him how much you love this episode, what you learned. You know, give him a thank you. You know how we get down here. Um, so one more time, Austin, where can they find you to reach uh, reach out to give you a thank you? At Austin Rutherford official on uh, on Instagram, brother. This was awesome. Man. Oh yeah, no, this I this ain't gonna be the last time we do this. You know, I I it's it's so many people. I'm like, man, I want to get like thorough, so much experience so we can have like some massive conversations and really just like uh, really give people the game. And uh, I, I'm excited, man. So you know, be on the lookout for me. Don't forget about me. I may call you, ask you when I'm actually when I come down to like uh. Yeah. To yep. Miami, I am coming to Fort Lauderdale. I'm coming. I got to. I got to. I need to hoop. I want to like because even Fort Lauderdale just be like I like how it just be chill. It's just chill. Everybody sitting there. You know what I mean, yeah. it, ain't, it ain't crazy. Miami a little bit too wild for me now. You know what I mean? But yeah, man, I, I can't wait to meet you in person. I can't wait to see you, man, and really connect with you. And like I said, this ain't gonna be our first time. I mean, our last time uh, having conversations like these. You will be back. Um, I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, roommates, family, thank you all for watching. Make sure you hit up Austin and tell him what you have learned and what, what you have, uh, you know, really received from today's podcast. My name is Chris. I'm here with Austin Rutherford. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you.